Rick Jensen on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL. Did you even know that state legislatures around the country were considering in this legislative session the popular vote for in their states getting rid of the Electoral College and uh, supporting a uh, popular vote? Right. I've always felt that the popular vote means that instead of having so many uh, battleground states, we'd have battleground cities. Think of uh, Cleveland, for example. Many more people than here in little old Delaware. You think you already don't have much of a say in electing the president. Well, it would be even less. At 11 o'clock at night, WDEL News will be covering the the outcome in Cleveland to see if, uh, if their choice for president would actually become the president. Right. Trent England founded and is the executive director of Save Our States. And before that, he was executive vice president for both the Oklahoma Council of Public Affairs and the Freedom Foundation as a legal policy analyst at the Heritage Foundation. He's on the phone right now because he's been leading this fight against the popular vote. And I thought it might be a good idea to uh, to have him on since uh, he wants you folks to know what's happening. Hey, Trent, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, I guess that's why you have a smile on your face. Um, in how many states was the popular vote being considered by the state legislatures? Yeah, so just uh, just this year, there were 24 bills introduced in, I think it was 15 states around the country, and, uh, you know, thankfully, they all failed despite this massive push by, uh, you know, by some folks, a campaign that's led by uh, some folks in California to try to, you know, as you say, shift the focus to the, the big cities and take it away from, uh, you know, from, from folks in the states and folks who don't live in, in those big cities. Uh, but, uh, but they have in the past, you know, they have won 15 states. Uh, around the around the country, they launched their campaign in 2006, and they've been kind of slowly behind the scenes convincing at least some states to to actually try to do this. Well, Delaware is also one of these states, isn't it? I mean, remember a, a last legislative session? I believe it was, uh, it was they passed a bill to go along with other states if indeed they also decide uh, to go by a popular vote. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Delaware just, uh, as you say, in the not not this year, but in the previous legislative session, uh, Delaware has passed this national popular vote compact. And and yeah, in in all of these states that have passed it, it's uh, it's it's basically you know it doesn't have any effect right away. It's, it's an agreement among all these states that if they get enough states that they could control the outcome in presidential elections, they would basically reject the Electoral College and, and choose their electors on the basis of the national popular vote, which would have the effect of turning the whole system into a, a direct election. So Yeah, I think the uh, uh, I think yeah, our you, Democratic lawmakers who control Delaware are very optimistic that if indeed other uh, states in the Mid-Atlantic region uh, were to have votes that Democrats would win those states, and so then we would have uh, you know, Democrats joining in, and we'll all have a Democratic president, la di da da What they don't realize, though is that a lot of these states are in flux. Pennsylvania is not always liberal. It's not always conservative. It's uh, it's often in flux as a state. New Jersey, well, sure, predominantly Democrat, but again, Chris Christie. So Maryland, Larry Hogan, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean Democrats is going to go your way, or am I mistaken, Trent? 
No, I, I think that's exactly right, particularly because with with the Electoral College, the way it works right now, you there's a there's a requirement. You have to win with a majority of electoral votes, and and the way it works out, you wind up with two candidates running against them against each other, right? Two big candidates, and so typically the winner has you know if not a if not majority support pretty close to majority support right you know i mean if it's not over 50% it's at least 49 you know 48% if you have some third party candidate who you know who gets significant votes but if the national popular vote was in effect right you could have a lot of candidates running Right. Uh, You could you know, you might have, uh, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos is looking for something to do. Right. Maybe he he steps into the next presidential race. Right. We you know, we've seen people like Bloomberg uh, and, you know, and Ross Perot in uh, presidential elections in the the last uh, couple of decades. Right. You would see so much more of that that it's anybody's guess who would win. Right. You you know, you're right. This is being pushed mostly by Democrats in the big cities who think that it's going to help them. But uh, I, I think they, they forget that you change the rules, you change the way the system works. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, 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 uh, the loss would be, would be for all Americans because we lose a lot of this sort of political stability and coalition building that we've enjoyed, and we wind up with a fractured system. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Um, now, at the Brookings Institute, uh, left of center think tank, they like the idea of having the popular vote. And one of the reasons is they say, well, let's take a look at how, you know, how this actually came to be. And uh, and they actually wrote this and said, well, basically, uh, the, the folks in the Midwest you know, have fewer people and they're not that bright. And they wanted smarter. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I am paraphrasing. I can give you the exact <laughs> verbiage here. But the Brookings Institute geniuses were, were saying that, uh, and since uh, most people are not very bright or educated, they need people who are smarter than them to go and make these uh, these decisions for them. I, I'm Look, I will read this to you. Delegates also had an anti-majoritarian concern in mind. At a time when many people were not well-educated, they want a body of wise men. Quote, I'm sorry, parentheses, women lack the franchise, end parentheses, who would deliberate over leading contenders and choose the best man for the presidency. They explicitly rejected a popular vote for president because they didn't trust voters to make a wise choice. Right, so who's going to make the wise choice now? Uh, let's take a Republican, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Sure, there's one for you. Let's go to the left, shall we? Maxine Waters. Oh, there you go. We could go back and forth with these idiots uh, all day long. Um, I, I, I think it's extraordinarily elitist and arrogant of the left at the Brookings Institute to suggest that, oh, yeah, well, we're not, uh, we, we don't have stupid people anymore, and, and they just want us because they're stupid. No, it, it really, it's because you have more people living in California, more people living in New York than you do in, in Iowa and, uh, and Nebraska, and so it would be more fair to have representation for all of the country. Now, that's just the way I, I see it. Trent, I want you to express it in your words, please. Well, here's here's something that many of your listeners may not realize because I didn't know this until I started working on this issue. There are other countries that use systems like our electoral college. I mean, every every parliamentary system kind of works that way. But India 
uses an electoral college system. Germany uses an electoral college system. And the, the reason why they do that is the same reason why we have this system here. They, you know, they modeled their systems a little bit off of ours. It's because, you know, as you say, it, it guarantees that you spread the, the political influence around the country a little bit more. Nobody can win the presidency just by running up the vote really high in California and Oregon and Washington, and you know maybe you get Las Vegas in there. And, right? You can't win the presidency as a regional candidate. You've got to be a national candidate, and, and so that's what the Electoral College does. And you're right. On the other hand, you, you've got these people who want to get rid of it, you know, partly, I think, because they just think that voters in the big cities are smarter than everybody else. And they they want to shift that political power so that the, the coast, the big cities can control everybody else. And the candidates don't have to go out to, you know, Ohio. They don't have to, to go out to places like, you know, we, we, we saw Arizona, right, getting a lot of attention in, in the last election, right, Pennsylvania, uh you know, I mean, frankly, a lot of Democrats don't like that because it forces them to to uh, nominate people who are a little bit more moderate, right? And of course, on the Republican side too, you know, you you need to you need to figure out how to win in uh, Wisconsin and in Pennsylvania and win in Florida, and uh, you know that was part of Trump's sales pitch, right, was that maybe he would even put in play a state like New Jersey or New York, and it didn't work out that way, but. But that's a good thing, right? You've got both parties trying to to build bigger coalitions and reach out to more Americans, right? Rather than just running up the score wherever they're already popular, uh, this is this is a good system, and it's so good that other countries have modeled their constitutions off of ours. Hillary Clinton still angry, said she won the popular vote. She should have been president, not Trump. Clinton supporters around the country, including uh, many in uh, the national media, agreeing as well that. She would have won if they had the uh, the popular vote, as opposed to the uh, the scary orange man. So, <laughs> so the, so that you know that kind of sells the point right there. That brief paragraph, if it were, um, kind of sells the point to the liberals. Um, I've also yeah. talked to a, a couple of Republicans. Uh, one guy in Pennsylvania who works on campaigns, who also thinks, oh no no no, Republicans can use this to win. It would be a good thing for Republicans. What evidence have you seen that uh, the popular vote could be good for Republicans in winning elections? Well, I, you know, there, there is this claim that, oh, you know, maybe in California there's a lot of Republican voters who just don't turn out to vote. The, the problem with that is that when you look at polling and you look at the demographics, Republican voters tend to be much more reliable than, than Democratic voters. And so the, the idea that you've got a bunch of Republican voters who just don't turn out, but you know, if if all of a sudden you know their state wasn't a wasn't a blue state or you know that didn't matter so much, all of a sudden they go out to the polls and vote. I, I think is just not not very likely. And you know, again, I, I think what all these partisans miss is that you know sometimes the system benefits Republicans, sometimes it benefits Democrats. Al Gore actually had his campaign attorneys prepare a memo defending the Electoral College. For the 2000 election, because they thought the Electoral College was going to help Al Gore and that he might lose the popular vote but win because mm. of the Electoral College. So, you know, the, the, these things go back and forth, and, and people forget that, you know, what matters more than, than short term partisan gains is, is stability, 
is reliability, you know, is, is people's ability to, to, you know, sort of have faith in a process that, that we have tried and has actually worked. And, you know, that's, that I think is what a lot of, a lot of partisans on both sides, they, they look at the rules and they think, how does this benefit me or how does it hurt me? How could I change it to benefit my side? And we forget that, you know, if the founders had done that, they never would have been able to, to create our constitution, right? They, they were interested in how do we, how do we promote stability? How do we promote justice? You know, things that benefit all Americans. And yeah, I, I think we, we tinker with that work at our great peril. So you say this and it resonates. It makes sense. However, there has been a lot of distrust of our system for a long, long time. I mean, sure, you could turn on CNN, for example, in the last year in 2020, and they would say, oh, no one trusts the system. How did the scary orange man get elected? Yada, yada, yada. It's a horrible thing. It's terrible. So you go back to 2000, and Al Gore lost the election. A consortium of newspapers led by the Chicago Tribune did a lot of research, and they found, yes, if you count all the votes, Bush won. If you count just those small number of counties that Al Gore and his team wanted, then he won. But if you count all the votes, Bush won. Go back just uh, four years, 2017, Al Gore is on with uh, Bill Maher and said, in no uncertain terms, I won Florida. I believe I won Florida. So there's, I believe, I suspect there's like a couple million Democrats or maybe more in this country who believe that Al Gore's election was stolen from him. And so they distrust the system. Let's go. Give me, I'll give you two more examples and get your reaction to these. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's go to uh, 2004 election. In 2005, it came time to certify the Electoral College, and you had 31, I think it's uh, it's 31 Democrats who said, no, we're not certifying. Send it back to the state, especially Ohio. We don't trust the Diebold voting machines. We think the Republicans hacked it. It's uh, it, The fix is in. 31 Democrats voted against certifying the Electoral College. Of course, there were no riots, nothing burned, anything like that, because people just realized, okay, uh, they're angry and they're maniacs. So now come to 2017, right? And in 2017, uh, you had Hillary supporters and liberals who uh, who trashed Washington, D.C. in the streets at the Capitol. They didn't go in the Capitol. On the streets of the Capitol, they burned police cars. They sent police officers to the hospital rioting. And these are the leftists. These are the Hillary supporters uh, and all very, very angry that they, they lost this election, and they don't trust the system. So if indeed you've got, for example, all these Democrats and liberals who don't trust this system, under uh, with, with what sort of logic then, Trent, do you claim that uh, this uh, electoral college uh, design is indeed, is indeed uh, sustainable and, uh, and trustworthy? Well, that, that's a great question, and I, I think what what gives me some hope is that we've we've seen this play out before. I mean, we had a series of elections in the 1870s and 1880s that were very very close. Uh, the partisan divides were very fierce, and uh, and we even had two elections in 1876 and again in 1888 where the winner of the election didn't receive the most popular votes, at least at least according to the totals. And we know that in one of those elections, 1876, there was just rampant fraud. Uh, frankly, there was fraud on, on both sides before and after the election. I mean, it was a huge mess. And yet, 
you know, the nation did uh, come back together after that. And part of the reason why it did was because once people stepped back and said, look, these are the rules we've got. We've got to figure out how to work with them. The Electoral College gives both parties an incentive to go try to win over people who are sort of in the, you know, in the other side's turf. And so at that time, the Democrats were really popular in the South, but they realized if they wanted to win elections, they had to they had to gain some support in the North so that they could win off. Uh, you know, they could win over states like New Jersey, states like New York, um, you know, try to gain some support in some of the new Western states at that time. And they did that successfully. And, you know, because they did that, the Democrats became a national political party again. It gave Republicans an opening uh, to uh, to gain some, you know, some new support in, in eventually in parts of the South. Uh, and it kind of our, our politics became national again. Uh, we we saw trust actually improve in the system um, after that. So I think all that can can happen again. I think that, you know, we have a great constitution. It does does force the political parties to try to to build broader coalitions. You know, the Democrats are trying to figure out how they can turn Texas purple. Right. They were doing the same thing in Florida in the past and didn't have a lot of success with that. But, you know, it's good that they're trying. Uh, and Republicans, you know, I think Republicans need to stay focused on states like Michigan and Nevada, where, you know, they they're within striking distance. And and that, you know, those people serving their own political interests um, within our constitutional system, it's actually good for the country uh, because it forces us to talk to, to people who are different from us and to build these big national political parties rather than narrow regional ones. So, you know, I, I, I'm not happy with where our country is at the moment. As you say, we've got a lot of folks, you know, especially on the left, who are, uh, you know, very negative on our, our system and our constitution. Um, but I think, you know, I, I think that uh, we, we can come back from all that. And I think I think most Americans, you know, the, the, the ones who aren't out there yelling on cable news actually do still have a lot of faith in our in our institutions. Well, just like 2000, 2004, you had millions of Democrats angry saying that the election was stolen. And right now we have millions and millions of Republicans around the country saying, oh, no, 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 we think the election was stolen. So what comes around seems to go around all the time. The the difference here, I think, is that uh, Trump has uh, millions of people who are followers because he's an outsider, Al Gore being the insider. Nobody really cared that much about Al Gore, uh, but yeah. the the election for Trump was really anti-Clinton, anti-Bush, anti-establishment, anti-media, and and they still uh, favor him that way. In the book, Why We Must Defend the Electoral College, Trent England, executive director of Save Our States, uh, actually writes about the fundamental risk that the public adheres to his beliefs that underlie these attacks, and I'm quoting here, obviously, that the Constitution is out of date, measure of an election is voter self-esteem, and the democracy is an end in of itself. All these beliefs can easily be turned against any of our constitutional checks and balances. The very idea of a constitutional republic is at stake. You might want to read the book, Why We Must Defend the Electoral College, and you can go to saveourstates.com. Thanks for your time, Trent England. Thank you so much. Yeah, you, you like that. That's just a wrap of the conversation. You know we're done now. Exactly. <laughs> take care. We've got to take a break, and we'll be back. Stay tuned. More with Rick Jensen just ahead on 1150 AM, 1017 FM, WDEL.